Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I learned she is terrified of flying. I mean, if somebody acted like that on a, on a plane in a dating scenario, I, I would have definitely never been on a plane with them again because I probably wouldn't be dating them anymore. <laughs> hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Um, That is spelled B-E-R-R-E-I-G-H. Thank you. Um, You'll have to excuse my voice. I lost it during Flipantropy Day. But here's my OOTD. Um, My shirt is by Meemaw. I'm not sure if it's my Meemaw or the store Meemaw. I can't check the tags right now, Um, but I'll leave the description in the comments. My earrings are from Fabric. They are the same ones that I was wearing yesterday. Um, My hair got tangled into one, so I can't take them off right now. So please, if anybody could help me, I might have to call an EMT later. Um, My skirt is by the pants store. Yes, skirts are back, and they only come in colors that you've never seen before. Um, I got this bracelet from my mama it's david yerman i got this hermes love ring it was given to me by my high school counselor who only makes twenty eight thousand dollars a year don't ask me to explain that it just happened um my coke spoon necklace is by kendra scott and oh my shoes are goldens thank you um what 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 do you mean i can't i got dropped Is it because I don't live in Alabama? Is it because I'm 35? Is it because I'm not white? Mm. Questions. Okay. Um, Hi, guys. (laughs) I have been wrapped up in the loving embrace of the University of Alabama's 
Rush Talk Week, and I know that many of you guys have been as well. Obviously, we're going to throw up an, a very special girl to our queen, our biracial queen, Michaela, at What Would Jimmy Buffett Do?, who was just tragically and unfairly, in my opinion, dropped from all her bid houses for the most tame video I've ever seen in my life. Um, that's some bullshit. We all know it. Okay. Okay. With that being said, my accent's coming back. I'm I'm doing it. (laughs) I've just been so, um, how are we feeling? Are we going to channel our energy from Alabama Rush Week into the UGA Rush Week? Something that is, you know, a little bit more near and dear to my heart, being a, a former Georgia resident. I'm kind of into it, but I feel like maybe we should just hop off this train because it's all maybe just a little bit weird that we're um, following these teenage girls as they uh, willingly and excitedly go into these like inherently racist institutions. Uh, You know, like I don't want to burst anybody's bubble because truly probably most of these girls aren't even old enough to have voted in the last election or the one before that. But does it matter? Not really. Um, With that being said, I I just, what a weekend, what like a a fun four days it's been for all of us. And if you weren't able to hop onto it, you know, you're probably a better person than I am, but you already knew that. Okay. You already knew that. So there's no reason to rub it in. Y'all, we got to talk about the story that I found on TikTok. I I need to get off TikTok and I get that, but this is such a wild story that we have to talk about it. And I feel like not a lot of people know about it. So hopefully I'm like spilling some tea for you a little bit. Have you guys heard the story about one Elizabeth Jasso? If you haven't heard it, here's some cliff notes. So there's a woman who was married to a man. That man unfortunately passed away earlier this year. Um, She was pregnant, heavily pregnant. Um, She, you know, decided she was pregnant with twins. And obviously she was going to be a widower with these two children children that she found out were um two twin boys more on that later so elizabeth was scheduled to be induced in about a week ago like early august and she left um she was visiting her mother's uh her mother-in-law excuse me she was about 40 weeks pregnant she was due to be induced within hours of leaving her mother-in-law's home um there were videos of her leaving with her you know hospital go bag like she was going to go to the hospital suddenly nobody knows where she is not at the hospital nowhere to be found for six days in the period of that six days Obviously, her family and his family, well, mostly his family, um, are start looking for her, calling out for pleas, you know, searching for this heavily pregnant woman who should have been at the hospital delivering the babies, right? Nobody can find her. Over the course of the weekend, people start putting two and two together and the shit is immediately figured out as a scam. Um, somebody did their Googles. They did a reverse image search on the sonogram 
or the ultrasound that she had given family members and found that that same sonogram was available. I think it says like, if you go to a website, it'll say like 12 to 16 week scan twin boys. And it's the exact sort of like 4d, you know, those like ultra high tech uh, scans of the baby. She could purchase for twenty three ninety nine. So this is what they <laughs> found out that she bought these ultrasounds. It's like you know, literally, like very um, highly realistic twelve to sixteen week scan of two twin boys. Like, and people are like, "Oh shit!" Like this is weird. They start, of course, pulling out videos of her like playing with the stomach. You know, you know how I told you that she was having twin boys. You want to know how she found out she was having twin boys? Because she did a gender reveal at the grave of her dead husband. A gender reveal, literally on his gravestone. Can you imagine? Facebook uh, groups start forming, people doing like conspiracy theories, people, you know, trying to piece things together, like a don't fuck with cats part two, where all these people from different parts of the country are like, oh, here, here's what, this is weird. Here's an inconsistency, blah, blah, blah. So finally on Wednesday, it has been the Baytown police where she's from confirmed that she had been found. Not only had she been found, but she actually had gone to meet with detectives on that Tuesday where they interviewed her about what the hell she was like, why she was missing all of that. Of course, she finally had to admit that she was in fact not pregnant and had just been faking this from the short period after this man was murdered in February. She told people like, Oh, I'm pregnant where it was like, you know, people didn't know she was quote unquote pregnant until after this guy died. Right. <sighs> Yikes. Um, so this is just the wildest story. There's no real details as of yet as to why she lied, why she did any of these things, why she, you know, how did she think she was going to get out of this? <laughs> you know? Did you think that maybe his family wouldn't want, like, where was her family? Here's the other thing is that, like, mostly this is her uh, husband, her late husband's family figuring all this stuff. Where is her family? Why were they not around? Why didn't they think, like, hey, this seems really weird. We don't really feel like you're pregnant. How did, like, nobody get suspicious until she left? All of these things. I mean, I know how, but, like. Nobody thought that? Oh, weird. It's very weird story. I love stories like this where it's just like, you were really going to rock this until the wheels fell off. I just like, how do people find themselves in situations like this and not think like, oh, I'm, at some point I'm going to have to tell the truth. And there are going to be so many people who have been supporting me all of these months <laughs> who have been supporting me financially, emotionally. They're invested because they think that you're bringing two kids into this family. And here comes, especially when he died, like, this is like my son. Like, imagine this being your, his parents, like thinking, oh my God, what, what, like, you know, like bittersweet, you know, a situation of having like lost your son. And then he's got two sons coming. Like, it's kind of like a, just like a sad and tragic poetry to it and 
I I just don't know. Like it's endlessly fascinating to me how people willingly put themselves in these situations. <laughs> like you created this whole thing. You went out and got your baby belly. You paid twenty three ninety nine. You were financially invested in this grift girl. In this bamboozlement. Ugh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. All right, let's move on. One positive thing that we can talk about is that that motherfucker Jamie Spears has granted his daughter that has given him millions of dollars to line his, you know, line his jaw with, you know, whatever that, like, nicotine shit that you put, like, dip, you know? Just keep his his lower lip just constantly, perpetually black and have that weird dip smell, you know, Cheeto breath, just shooting guns outside of your trailer as long as the day is long. Um, you know, just this evil Cretan barnacle on the bottom of a boat has decided that, you know, he's going to suggest that he might not be the conservator, but, oh, um, just so you know, like, I still think she very much needs to care, but like, I'm just going to do it for you guys. Fuck off. Fuck all of you guys. Definitely fuck Jamie Lynn. It's forever fuck Jamie Lynn Spears for life. Did you guys hear about this video that she posted on Instagram of her? crying to her three-year-old daughter as her daughter is comforting her. Now, if that wasn't sick enough, she not only posted that Instagram story once, but then again with the sound on sticker so that people were sure to hear, because it was like, you know, one of those dark videos, right? Comforting. I mean, the that is like a an unlocked level of Karenism that I have not seen before. You're weaponizing your white child daughter by crying in front of her, emotionally manipulating her. She doesn't know what the fuck's going on. You're crying over your sister and how the well has run dry on that one. Because since you got exposed (laughs) as a court jester, um, and then using that against your own sister. Mm. She. This is how I know she's demented, is that she honestly, well, I mean, truly, like, this is nothing new. But, like, she honestly thinks that there's anybody in this planet that is going to side with her over Britney fucking Spears. <laughs> Ever. Girl. Girl. I don't care if Britney actually needed this conservatorship. People are fucking with you regardless, ma'am. Girl, you will never be, never touch the hem of your sister's very tiny skirts, okay? It is never going to happen. Then, did you see um, Jamie Lynn and uh, Lynn Spears are now hawking some sort of like MLM skincare? Um, Girl, (laughs) the way people have been roasting your face to high heavens for the past few months and now you're coming out with skincare... Uh, okay, girl. Okay. That's sad. That's sad. But this is what we deserve. This is what we deserve. And I hope that, you know, we, Brittany posted about getting into, uh, food and the culinary world. And I hope, I hope to see that. I would really love to see chef, chef Brittany. 
I would love that. Honestly, cooking is like an incredibly therapeutic thing for me personally. Like I'm, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm constantly in my head. My mind is constantly going, just thinking about random things from like, you know, um, the mellow yellow commercial that they did for Gap at 25 years ago to like, you know, just like whatever personal demons I have running around in this tortured brain of mine. Um, and so cooking really helps me to just focus on something and really be in the moment. And I, I've found over the years that it's something that I really enjoy. And if Brittany can get any sort of piece out of that as I have, then Godspeed. Godspeed. And, you know, let's raise our flag to the United States of Brittany. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, I didn't talk about Married at First Sight. I didn't dedicate an entire episode to it. A couple of people asked me about it. Um, here's the thing. The episode was fucking boring. Most of it were recaps. Most of it was like things that we had mostly already seen. And so I'm just going to do a mini recap right here. And then the rest of the episode is going to be my recap of Love After Lockup. So if you guys are not interested in those two things, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, the rest of you guys can join me on this journey. <laughs> um, uh, Oh, but come back. Come back, you guys. No. No. I have a secret. I have an announcement. But I'll do it next week. I'll, I'll do it next week. Um, but fun stuff, you guys. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, like, now one of those people who are like, oh, I can't talk about something, but I have something. <laughs> Even though some of you already know about it because I kind of low-key announced it. But whatever. I'll do the official announcement next week for sure. Um, but a couple cool things happening. Um, okay, so... Married at First Sight. Okay, before we get into the official recap, mini recap of Married at First Sight, I have to address something that a couple of you guys came to me about, particularly with Jose and me making short jokes about him. So this is not something like I've managed to make it quite some time without people really coming to me, like actually upset about what I said. So I'm going to take this on the chin, even though I don't fully agree, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> I'm going to take this one on the chin because you guys were like mostly pretty nice about it. And, you know, we can have a discourse. I don't want anybody to like be afraid of me or to think that they can't say anything or like I'm going to pop off. It's I, I'm not like trying to get all like whatever about being a podcaster. Like it's so lame. But um, what was I going to say? There there are like... You know, podcasting is like a relatively new thing where I have personally seen it really hasn't happened to me that much, maybe like once, where people will say things and, you know, it's like the thing of parasocial relationships where I understand like, you know, people feel a connection with the podcaster, otherwise what the fuck are we doing, right? But then I think with like the more popular podcasters, there comes a point where people feel like entitled to content or they are like analyzing everything you say and they feel very connected and very hurt by something that their podcasters say when that's never, usually not anybody's real intention, you know? Um, and so that it becomes difficult because you want to be able to have people tell you what they feel especially if it's something that they really do genuinely need to think about or they said something out of turn or what have you. Um, 
but then it very quickly becomes this like entitlement and then it becomes like difficult for the podcaster to say that because most of the time it just sounds like you don't appreciate your audience and you can't take criticism and that's not true it's just some people take it too far I don't know I was getting with this because none of you who said anything about Jose took it too far let's let's be real (laughs) okay with that being said a couple of you like I said I made jokes about him being short and y'all felt some type of way about that so um first things first I think it's um something that I didn't realize or I didn't think about is that like you guys don't see me you don't see me on the street you don't know you kind of know what I look like if you have looked into it, but not really. Here's the thing. I'm five feet tall. Five, zero. Okay. <laughs> so I am speaking about my own community. Um, when I am making fun of him, like, first of all, it's really not that serious to me. Um, it's just not that serious. So because I'm also short, like, y'all don't come with that knowledge that, like, it's not, it's a joke, you guys. It's It's a joke. Secondly... I have taken up a policy since the former presidential administration that if there's somebody that I feel like is an objectively bad person, I don't really mind. I don't prefer to make fun of people's looks, but like I'm going to call every Trump ugly and I have the right to do that. And I don't think anybody is going to um, deny me that one because it's factually true, but also because it's true from a moral standpoint. They're all just ugly people. Right. Um, with it being said, I think, I believe Jose to be misogynist and I believe Jose to have said things that I don't agree with when it comes to, uh, women, when it comes to, um, what he views as like a high value woman versus what he doesn't. Um, he's made a couple comments that like, I just don't like, I don't, I think they're going to be problems later. And because of that, like, I just didn't have a problem making fun of his height. And that's where I was coming from. <laughs> So I hear y'all, y'all love your granddaddies and your daddies. And you think that like, I shouldn't make people make fun of people for being short or being, making fun of men for being short. Um, It's probably going to happen in the future, but just know (laughs) that one, I'm mostly joking. And two, I'm probably saying it because they're like a genuinely bad person. If y'all like Jose, that's great. That's great. (laughs) But moving on. Um, So... Like I said, this episode, like, really could have been eliminated. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think anybody who watches Married at First Sight regularly actually likes this episode. I don't know why they include it. It's literally just most of the flashback from uh, the wedding night and them waking up in the day, shit that we saw the week before. It's the meeting up with the family members and friends of the person you just married to like get, gain some insight and have a conversation with them at brunch. None of this shit ever really matters to me. Like I've never in just being a plain watcher of married at first sight, but also being a person who recaps it. I've never thought about that episode and like looked back and been like, Oh my gosh, that really revealed something that like we wouldn't have known had it not happened or had we not had this episode. I I just never, I don't, I really just think it's like a stupid filler episode. Truly. Like we could have put this whole thing into 15 minutes of last week. Um, and we would have been, you know, less better off for it. Uh, so what happened? What really happened with them? Um, you know, 
I continuously stand for Bao and Johnny, so I'll leave them last because I like them the most. <laughs> um, Mirla and Gil had a bonding moment where um, they realized that their fathers not only passed away, but they were both murdered, which they rightfully are like, this is a weird thing of like, we're not excited, obviously, that we can have, that we have these shared experiences and, and these memories, but in a way, there's like a a shorthand to having been through these situations that we don't really have to explain to each other because we know how it feels. When we'd heard the stories about what happened, oh my god. Oh my god. So... Both of the, like I said, both of their fathers have been murdered. So Gil tells the story of his father passed in 1999. He was 14. He was at home, I think in his bedroom. Dudes bust into the house. He's screaming, not knowing what the fuck's going on. He hides under his bed sheets and hears gunshots. I guess the guy's left. So he runs out to figure out what happened. He finds his father and... Uh, he finds that his father had gotten shot two times in the neck. Um, so obviously they take him to the hospital. He goes to the hospital 20, 30 minutes later, the doctor comes out and says that he lost his father. And he's like, I just was in such a blur that like, I just, you know, couldn't accept what they were saying. So I was just like, okay, what do I do now? And that's a story about how he lost his father. Then Mirla, he tells a story, I think at night, and she's like, yeah, you know, she hears him, but then she's like, kind of says, like, I'm a little too emotionally drained, like, it's been a big day, I don't really want to talk about my dad right now, so they end up talking about it the following day, and she tells a story, oh my god, this was, like, wild. So, her father had been remarried. His second wife had a daughter, an adult aged daughter so there are some kind of it's a little bit vague as to whether or not there may have been a little something something going on with the daughter and her father or she felt like to apparently according to Marilla the side of this daughter is that her dad was like you know trying to get with her she had a boyfriend so what they did is had him come over to her house. She had a boyfriend. So he came over to the house. The boyfriend was hiding behind the door. And they stabbed him. Rolled him up. Put him in a trash can. It, like, disposed of the body. And then they felt so bad they ended up confessing to it. Can you, can you believe it? <laughs> like, imagine if somebody did that to my parents, like, I would be in jail. <laughs> like, I, I, the fact that she can be so calm, like, that is, like, even Gil was like, wow, that is, like, my dad was murdered, but that story is even wilder than my father's murder story. Um, so they're like, I don't want to say bonding over that, but you know what I mean? It's just like, they get it. And there was a moment of them being vulnerable, etc. 
So they go to their brunch thing, and Gil basically is still harping on this, like, she likes to spend money, blah, blah, blah. But her family members, this was funny. So first, he goes to meet up, they both meet up with, like, Marilyn meets up with two women, Gil's friends, and then Gil meets up with three guys. I think one was her brother, and then two friends. And so Gil comes into this, like all confident and shit thinking like oh we're just gonna kick it as boys uh, this is like really taking the pressure off because i'm not talking to like family member like deep family member, her mom or anything <laughs> Mirla's friend says oh well just so you know like he picks up on the fact that gil thinks that this is going to be just like a fun kiki time and the friend goes well just so you know i have been friends with Mirla for years i like after her father passed away, I kind of took her under my wing and I became like a big brother to her. So then Gil's like, Oh, okay. So this is not going to be what I thought it was. So basically he starts talking about how he's concerned about her finances and the fact that she likes to splurge. Now he keeps saying that he doesn't care if his wife makes more money. Um, money's not that important to him. Like, yes, he spends it, but it's, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think he does care. And I think he doesn't know that he cares. He is intimidated by the fact that she makes more money. The guy friends are like, it's not like she splashes out on, um, like she's splurging on money and not saving. Like she makes sure that she saves and then she spends with whatever money she has left. Also, she has worked to get herself to a certain place and she wants to enjoy the fruits of her labor period. I don't, I find this annoying maybe because it's all that we've heard. Like, all of the beginning of Mirla before she got married was talking about how she liked to splurge, how she liked to spend bags, shoes, hair, not makeup, whatever, jewelry, whatever. Um, and then it, it just maybe just because it's just been like a perpetual topic of conversation that they've been talking about that makes me feel like, is there anything else? I honestly, my general estimation of them is. Oh, that it's like Marilyn's being a little bit more, she's got to wall up a little bit more than I think she should, given the situation. Um, but I don't think she's that bad. I'm turning my mind a little bit more in favor of Marilyn. I do think she's a stick in the mud. And I do think once they got to the hotel, I didn't fully disagree with her. I didn't fully disagree with her. But, um, you know, she she is, she does like nice things. Like, does that make somebody a bad person? It shouldn't. Especially if you can afford those nice things. And you've worked really hard to afford those nice things. Like, I don't know why they're acting like this is, should be this gigantic black mark on the history of Mirla. I, I don't know. I just don't get it. I don't really get it. Um, let's go to Michaela and Zach. Uh, Zach starts off by saying that he was a little bit stressed about the wedding day because he found out, excuse me, that his, um, one of his friends had tested positive for COVID. The friend was fine, but you know, it was just like kind of, 
harrowing news. Um, did you guys notice that when they were getting ready for bed, Zach took off his pants and he had a little bit of a dumpy back there. He had a little, little, little cupcakes. I'm not going to say he didn't have like a full three tiered cake. Like Ryan from last season, CrossFit Ryan, that man had a wagon. Okay. And I loved it. Okay. Um, but he's got a little bit of a dumpy here and you know, that's something to think about. Let's put that in the marker for later. You know, I might have to circle back on that and enjoy the view. At one point, Zach asked Michaela why she decided to get married at first sight. And she said that she wanted to end the habits that she had uh, been forming. And Zach was like, what kind of habits are we talking about? So even though Michaela's sisters had said that Michaela has an alter ego called Hurricane K who gets really emotional and she doesn't care who she's talking to. She's talking to the queen of England or whoever the fuck she will read you down and then think of the consequences later. She's now telling Zach that she is quite passive in her relationships. And because she doesn't want to rock the boat, she just lets everything slide. And then it becomes this weird thing of like, we're not really that into each other. And the relationships are like, uh, are you done? Yeah, I'm done. You know, that's basically it. Um, I feel like Michaela is presenting her very best self. And that's not great because you are going to be married to this guy. I was going to give her a little bit of a pass, but it's not a, not a great thing to do. Because those shits are going to come out really quickly. So maybe I do appreciate that she says this because this is going to blow up in her very pretty little face. And I'm, I'm going to be entertained by it. I'm not going to lie. Zach tells her, please don't do that with me. I want you to say anything, you know, communicate with me because I really want to make this work. And... Then Zach asks if she is the jealous type and she says, no, she's really more possessive that once you're in her orbit, it's like, that's mine. Zach says, oh, hell yeah. (laughs) He actually thinks it's pretty hot um, that she would use the term possessive and he's into it Um, because in his mind, that lets him know that she cares. Okay, Um, so then Zach meets up with Michaela's sisters, and he says that he's really enjoying her. She's exceeded his expectations, that their wedding was better than he thought, you know, better than he could have ever imagined. Like, they're really happy. They're really happy to see Michaela happy. And after he says anything, they're like, oh, oh, Zach. Oh, okay. (laughs) I wish Ruben had been there. He may have been our voice of reason. I love Ruben. Um, So they basically say to him, listen, Michaela's the youngest of us four girls. We have kind of taken to protecting her. And so we're looking at you as her husband to be an extension and to be uh, really protective of Michaela. And he promises that he will be the protector. And one of the sisters says, well, great. I like, I hope you're not just saying that and that you're actually carry out these things that you say, because once you lose trust with us, it's hard to get it back. Um, 
So when Michaela meets up with Zach's dad, he immediately is like, Zach's spoiled. <laughs> he's very spoiled, but he's loyal and he's family oriented and he loves children. And Michaela's like, oh, I love that. I love that he loves children. And then things take a turn for the emotional. We see footage that actually was never before seen um, from the wedding. And uh, it just made, it was like really heartfelt and just like sad because she had lost her father. Her father had been killed in a drunk driving accident. And truly, I thought this was like really fucked up of obviously the experts know that her dad died. She knows they know that she doesn't have one. So the DJ said like, oh, Michaela, we want to get you up to do a dad daughter dance. And then she has to sit there at her wedding looking so uncomfortable and sad and awkward because she doesn't have a father present. And so thank God Zach's dad came up and was like, how do you want to do a dance? And they were able to do that dance. You can see the sisters get all emotional because, you know, she was able to have this moment and Michaela thanks Zach's dad for doing that to her or for her with her. Um, And it was just like very sweet and like just bittersweet, but it was nice. It was a nice moment for um Michaela to have with her new family um but I was also like so fucked up that they had the DJ do that like simply say her father's not here like spare her the I would be mortified mortified if like I was at my sister's wedding or something and that happened like I would kill somebody <laughs> I really would I'd be so pissed um so what happens after that? Do we need... Oh, then Zach's father pulls like a Caroline Manzo and is basically like, let me tell you something about my family. We're thickest thieves, okay? And, <laughs> and we, prese- we protect Zach to the end. And we're hoping that this relationship is real, okay? Um, like for real though. <laughs> so when Zach and Michaela get back together, uh, what happens? Like... You know, Michaela shows Zach the impersonation that of of what Zach is like when he gets uh, overwhelmed or anxious, which is just him like blubbering words. And they laughed about that. And it was funny. Um, and yeah, it was just like pretty nice between them. But I, I feel like a storm's a brewing with them. Um, and then we find out later that they fucked. They're our first ones, officially first ones up on the board. Tally that on the board is the first couple who have had sex. Um, and Zach tries to act like a gentleman. He's like, well, I don't really want to talk about it. But, you know, if last night is a look into my future, then I'm going to be a very happy man sexually. Okay, what just happened to you wanting to be a gentleman and not talk about the sex? <laughs> Because you just did, Zachary. Anyway, um, let's move on to Rachel and Jose. Uh, Rachel says she's over the moon excited. Could not be happier. They wake up. Rachel says that Jose is basically perfect. They only got two hours of sleep. They were up all night kissing. Blah, blah, blah. This is another couple kind of like Brett and Ryan that we're going to talk about. Where I just feel like they're kind of faking like I'm not really seeing this great connection between Rachel and Jose that they are talking about like who did that last season um oh obviously like Ryan and Clara where they kept trying to convince us that there was this 
bond that they are like so tight if I could have put Ryan in if I had put all the things into a factor a man factory of what I wanted Ryan would have came out and I feel like everybody was like well when roll that footage (laughs) roll tape girl when are all these moments where you guys are really getting along because what we see is that y'all aren't fucking and you're pretty pissed about it and you're getting him off every night but he's not doing the same for you and you feel some type of way and he also hasn't said I love you and you know we all know what happened to them don't we? Um, so to me, I just feel like there's a little bit of excitement. It's almost like, like a, uh, like a summer camp love where it's like, you know, that this is going to be temporary. You know, that this isn't really real, like in your true, in the back deepest parts of your brain, you know, that this is not going to be forever. Right. But in the forefront of your mind, you're in the moment of like this um, environment that is so intense and high voltage and what have you that you just get caught up in the moment. And you think everything's so great because we're kind of getting along that this is now gone from, yeah, we're getting along and we're having nice conversations to this is perfect. This is everything I could have asked for. I just like I'm not really seeing the connection between Rachel and Jose, but maybe we will we'll see it. Maybe we will. It just feels like their conversations are more about how great it is rather than actual conversation where they're getting to know each other, if that makes sense. Um, So Jose starts blathering about how Rachel's sexy and intelligent and classy and he hasn't seen any negatives yet. And he goes to brunch and with uh, Rachel's mom and sister and Rachel's mom reveals that Rachel is really ambitious when it comes to her academic pursuits. She's got her master's. She's thinking about getting her doctorate. But because of that, other things in the home may fall by the wayside. You might see a sink full of dishes. Uh, Can't wait for you to see her car. Um, She apparently uses a car like a bumper car at a carnival. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And uh, yeah, just basically that she's like, really like a good person, a smart woman, but she doesn't really, she's not juggling all the balls necessarily. Um, then Rachel, um, oh, Rachel's sister brings up something called mental notes, which is where if Rachel feels some type of way about something, she won't necessarily confront you in the moment about what's bothering her, but she'll be like, Oh, I'm going to make a mental note of that. And Rachel does admit later to Jose. Yeah, I do do that. I tend to keep everything that bothers me hidden. And then someday will come about and maybe you left a spoon in the sink. And then, uh, you know, the dam just bursts. And I'm telling you all of the things that are mad about (laughs) that I'm mad about with you. And it's not really the spoon. It's just like you set me off. So um, uh, when Rachel meets up with Jose's family, (laughs) did you guys catch how much Jose's father was like going in on that free brunch? Good on him because it looked really good. But he's like. I'm going to, there were a lot of pauses and the editors, I think made it seem more dramatic than it was. And really Jose's father just had like a mouthful of grits and bacon in his mouth. And he was just swallowing before he could answer. It wasn't like an actual dramatic tension. Um, but they do say that Jose is, uh, really, um, good with his finances, really an ardent, um, 
uh, active member of his uh, keeping a watch on his finances. We get a flashback of uh, Dr. Pepper doing a house tour and he had his he had a whiteboard in what looked to be the dining room, (laughs) a whiteboard uh, like, you know, nailed to the wall with all of his monthly expenditures, how much is going to savings, how much, here's a breakdown of all the bills and how much they're worth. This is how much I'm going to be sending. This is how much I'm going to be saving. Blah, blah, like Susie Orman's old, um, (laughs) you get that whiteboard from, from a, a Susie Orman estate sale. Um, I have some questions about the design of the home, the de- the decor of the home. I feel like having to like look down upon the, you know, uh, weight of all your financial responsibilities of a month while you're eating your dinner is just like a little bit oppressive to me, but okay. So when they get back together, Rachel does say, I'm not really that like stringent in my savings like you are. Sometimes I, you know, adopt a, a, a mentality of YOLO and that YOLO might put me in some dire straits financially from time to time, but mostly I'm okay. Um, Jose tells her, don't worry about it. I've been scrimping and saving and getting myself in a good financial position for, in preparation for my wife. So don't worry about it. I will, um, make sure that we are straight financially. And then they played some like pretty ominous music. Like he was threatening her. (laughs) And like, even though I don't fuck with Jose, I don't really, I don't really understand why him saying like, oh, I'm going to help you with your finances result was warranting like this, like, ooh, dun, 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 like tension, tense music. I, I didn't really get that. But anyway, um, let's move on to Brett and Ryan. Um, I, there's like a lot to talk about with them, but also really nothing because Ryan doesn't talk. What, what's going on? With, Ryan doesn't like her. Ryan does not like Brett. He doesn't like her. Somebody commented, excuse me, rather, somebody DM'd me, and you said something that was so spot on, and I'm not going to do your name because I don't know what it is, but we'll just say CW. So you messaged me, and... You said, the only thought I was left with after Married at First Sight was that maybe Ryan dates potatoes. Time out. So when Brett goes to meet with Ryan's family, um, his sister, and I won't say her name because it's the name of a famous um, thing that if I say it, it will set off a lot of machines that will be asking you what you need and what kind of service, but it starts with an A and it ends with a Lexa. Um, So hopefully that that didn't um, spurn anything on your ends. But so when Brett meets up with Ryan's family and his friend Ryan, um, his sister brings up the, this phrase that Ryan dates potatoes. I think maybe she said baked potatoes. I'm not sure, but basically that they're like nice to look at, but there's not really much substance to it. Okay. So back to the comment. Um, the only thought that I was left with after married at first sight was that maybe Ryan dates potatoes because he is a potato. Dude communicates like a guy who's new to Tinder and he really wants to skip the small talk and ask you to suck his dick, but he has to figure out how to make that transition. So he just says, yeah, LOL a lot. And then tells you you're bad at conversation. 
just needed to get that out there and know when I know and watches the show. Um, yeah, I fully agree. There was something about Ryan who was just like, he didn't, I don't think he finds Brett attractive, which is laughable because she's gorgeous. Certainly much better looking than he is. If we're really going to get down to it. Um, there's just, I'm really feeling bad for Brett because I feel like she's being super vulnerable. She wants this. Um, I think she is kind of the model cast member for the experts as somebody who genuinely seems ready, is extremely vulnerable, and is ready to dive headfirst in this situation. I think she's like the perfect cast member for the show. Ryan, however, is a demon, and I told y'all this, and I'm glad I told y'all this because I was right. I don't like him. I don't feel like he has any sort of personality. He does act like somebody who just wants to fuck, doesn't want to make conversation, and then blames it on the woman. You know, completely. He, it felt like Brett was carrying the conversation there were times where Ryan wasn't even looking at her like he was answering the question but not even making eye contact with her and it was like he couldn't stand her and I don't understand are we not seeing something or I'm inclined to believe that this might just be Ryan I don't know I don't know selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh. Um, so when Brett meets up, excuse me, when Ryan meets up with Brett's family, <sighs> he says something like, oh, you know, the first thing I noticed about her is that she's a redhead and redheads are either one or the other, meaning they're either beautiful or they're not. And there's no in between. Why would you tell her family that? <laughs> like, even if the end result is, Oh, I think she's beautiful. It's still like, okay. <laughs> See, this is what I mean. Like, are you capable of making conversation on your own? Because you're away from her now. And now we're seeing you with other people and it's not that great either. I, I, don't know, I think Ryan's a flop. He is a potato. He's not even a big potato. He is a raw potato that has been cut in half and you're supposed to eat it. And the only thing you have to wash it down is like a warm glass of water. That's, that's exactly what Ryan is. And I don't like him. Um, 
So when they get to, well, more on that later. Let me move on to Johnny and Bao. Um, Just uh, perfect. No edits. Love them. Love them. Um, I have to say personally, I am grateful because last week I was feeling a lot of like liberal panic and guilt over the fact that I had talked about how the betting was Chinese and then I flipped out realizing that they are not Chinese, they're Vietnamese and that this is probably what we're looking at as a Vietnamese tradition. Thank God Johnny does tell us. He gets a little note on the bed saying, hey, this is from your sister. I always wanted to pull this prank on you where I put Chinese bedding on the bedding. So, oh, thank you, sister. Thank you. <laughs> um, so then she said that on the bedding is sewn in like a hundred children. I guess it's part of an old um, Chinese saying where like a hundred children, a thousand grandchildren, like be fruitful and multiply, right? Um, here's the starting tonight. And that was the end of the letter. Um, so Johnny, like they're laying it down in bed. They're both fully closed. They're in their wedding stuff. And Johnny's got his arm around bow. And, you know, my consent king, my consensual king is perpetually checking in on bow, perpetually saying, Hey, I really want to be physical with you, but I also want to respect your boundaries. I understand that we have two very different love languages. Mine is very much physical and yours is not. And so if there's anything at all that you're feeling uncomfortable about, just let me know and I will adjust. Ugh. Ugh. I love it. Um, Bao says she's not really trying to be physical right now, but the fact that Johnny is even saying these things and how he's treating her makes her feel really comfortable. The fact that he's opening up the space to for communication if she feels some type of way is putting him that much further to horny town. This was such a cute moment. They wake up in the morning and they're talking and Bao's like, do you remember years ago you asked me on a date And I wasn't sure if it was a friendship date or a romantic date. So I took it as a friend date and then things kind of fizzled out. Do you remember that? Because I have your number in my phone. And so she texts him and is like, oh, look, like I have these messages. So she texts him to see if uh, he has her number saved. And he did, but he didn't have those messages from a year ago or how many, however many years ago, because he says, oh, if the message is a year old, older than a year than I usually delete them. So he didn't have the text message saved, but hers, she did. And it was basically just like, they were talking about going to museum of fine arts. And she was saying, Oh, I have a, um, you know, like a, an admission uh, membership to, uh, this fine arts center, but I never have anybody to go with. Nobody wants to go with me. And Johnny was like, Oh, I will go. And then Bao says, but then I never heard from you again. You ghosted me. <laughs> Johnny's like, I don't think that's true. Even though the text messages are right there. They just have like a really good vibe with each other. Um, And I I just, I really like it. And then Johnny said something very sweet. Like, I'm sorry for my previous indiscretions, but 2021 Johnny's going to make up for all of that. Oh, oh, I love him. (laughs) So then Johnny meets up with Bao's family. Her brother tells on her immediately and says, oh, you know, when she got your 
wedding gift before the ceremony, she saw that he, he got her to, uh, I think they were Houston Rockets, whatever the baseball team is, Houston, some Houston team, he got her like a home jersey and away jersey. And remember, she got all upset and she was like, I wanted a brilliant mind, not a guy who liked sports. <laughs> so when her brother's telling it, Johnny, it kind of rubs him the wrong way. And he's like, dang, like, first of all, I am like a little bit disappointed because it really took me a long time to come up with that gift. And if she's upset, as upset as I'm hearing she is, like, that's a little bit concerning to me. Um you know, it just, it gives me a little bit pause that she reacted so strongly because I just didn't think that that would elicit any sort of reaction. And I hope she doesn't treat other situations like this. Um, they suggest the best thing to do with Bao is just to listen to her. Bao meets up with Johnny's mom and aunt and I think another family member. And as soon as Bao and Johnny's mom say hi to each other, his mom says, you can call me aunt or you can call me mom, whatever you want. And Bao is immediately just like humbled and honored by that. And she tells us that, you know, in their community, that titles are very important, especially when it comes to elders and respect that, you know, there's like a lot of respect that comes with that. Um, and that she, the fact that his mom immediately was like, you can call me mom was like such an honor to her. And you could see even in that moment that she was like, wow, like this is big. Right. Um, so they have a really nice conversation. Bao does ask about Johnny's father and they tell him her, um, you know, he left the family when Johnny was quite young. He lives in California. Now they were keeping it cute, like telling her what she needed to know. But really that was a conversation that she needed to have with Johnny. Right. So, um, when they do get back together, she does say, Hey, I asked your parent, your family about, um, your father. And then he explains more. And then we got uh, more of him from when he, more footage from when he called his father, uh, to tell him that he was going to be on the show. And then they had that conversation about his dad was like, I don't approve of this. And Johnny was crying and telling the cameras, like, this is really upset. Like, I really wanted to be respectful to my father, but you know, this is a situation. And Bao was like incredible and said, Hey, we're going to get to the point where your father approves of me. I don't care. I will do anything that I can to make it work because I want you to be able to have that relationship with your father. I want your father to approve of this. So whatever I got to do, speaking Vietnamese, I dress up nicely and conservatively. Whatever I got to do, I'll make it happen. Ah, oh, oh, I love them. Um, so the couples find out that they are going to the Florida Keys for their honeymoon. <laughs> um, when they get to their hotel, Jose and Rachel start to brush their teeth. And for some reason, Jose starts making fun of her because she doesn't have an electric toothbrush. And she's like, no, I do have an electric toothbrush. I just left it at home. And then Jose asks her if he can brush her teeth for her. <laughs> I mean, maybe he is uh, an expert because it appears like he has 72 teeth in his mouth. Sorry. Sorry. I got to get one in. Okay. And it does look like he has a lot of teeth. They're straight, white, nice teeth. It just seems like 
there's a lot of them in there okay um rachel's like no you can't brush my teeth and i hope you're joking because that's actually like a psychotic thing to say and i just didn't like that that was weird (laughs) and then she keeps bringing it up later like yeah that was weird like remember when you asked me to brush my teeth like that was weird don't do that again (laughs) um that was basically it with them uh what was that she you know she keeps saying like i feel so much chemistry with him and so far we haven't disagreed on anything like well i would hope not ma'am because you guys have only been together for about 36 hours and a good part of that has been sleeping and then another chunk of that has been with his family members so you know mostly we're talking about 20 hours maybe so i would hope that you wouldn't have a whole lot to disagree with okay so great um Oh, oh my gosh. When they're packing, did you notice? I, I, I don't know why I said did you notice. It was a very prominent scene where, uh, was it Rachel and Jose were packing to get there and Jose puts in a bunch of Magnum condoms into his uh, suitcase and then Rachel takes them out, not because she doesn't want to have sex, because you can't have babies if you wear condoms. And he's like, good point. I'll take these right on out and leave them on the hotel. If any of the employees at the Intercontinental want to pick up a bunch of uh, Magnum condoms with probably the Married at First Sight logo on them, then here you go, guys. And then they went on their merry way without condoms. Oh, Lord. Um, So, oh, then we find out that Brett has a fear of flying. And she really sets up Ryan and tells him, like, it's not that big of a deal. Like I like to travel and I like doing those things and having adventures. It's really just the flying that I have an issue with. And then towards the end of the episode, they, when they get to the hotel and they're like settling into their room, um, Brett is saying how grateful she is to Ryan that he was so supportive on the plane. And he's just like grunting like, Oh yeah. okay, Okay. But in a confessional, he says that it was basically the worst experience having to fly with her and that if he was just dating her instead of being married, he would have broken up with her because it was that bad. What the fuck happened? There was, like, I don't want to say that Ryan is over-exaggerating, but he... Because I picked up on the way that Brett was like, thank you, thank you, thank you after the fact that maybe did seem like maybe it was quite bad. But I mean, you know, like we've seen so many videos of people getting like hogtied with duct tape to to their um, plane seat. Like how bad could it have been? How bad really could it have been? I don't know. Um when Bao and Johnny get to their hotel room, Bao suggests that maybe they sleep in separate rooms because Johnny had made just a little joke the night before about how she had snored. But he did it in a cute way. Um, but you can tell that she's like feeling a little bit insecure. And he's like, oh, like, is that why you want to sleep separately? Like, I would much rather sleep with you snoring than be alone with you and in a quiet room. Um, And so they, you know, they bond over that moment. They do end up sleeping or rather sharing a bed together. Um, 
more on that later. Uh, let's talk about Marilla and Gail. <laughs> Cause I, cause I want to end it on a high note with, with Bow and Johnny. Um, so when Marilyn and Gil get to the resort, it's like, it's one of those hotels that, you know, everybody's got a balcony, even if you're on the second floor and everything kind of, they get there at night. So to be fair, they can't really see what's going on. You can't hear the water. It doesn't, it's not really giving beachfront, but it's also pitch dark um so really only thing you can see is the hotel property and everything is facing the pool which given how large the property was the pool seemed a little bit small all things considered Mirla had a list of complaints that I actually didn't disagree with her about one of them being that the balconies were too close they were entirely too close (laughs) to each other like you could very easily hop over the the balcony and go right into your neighbors like no problem whatsoever even with my little two and a half feet legs or two and a half feet long legs like I could have very easily hopped over that and gone right into their somebody else's suite like they were too close because you and you can't like do any real romantic shit and they're standing right next to you and it's it's weird right um then she starts calling it a old folks home or retirement home <laughs> Which, again, I did not disagree with. Um, And she says, you know, listen, if this were my, if I was, if this was going to be like my actual honeymoon, this is a honeymoon that we had a choice in, we would be doing like some real beachfront shit, infinity pools, like something real Instagrammable, right? Not this. Um, It probably wouldn't be in the Florida Keys either. I mean, it is giving grandma because it's the Florida Keys, right? Um... But they're making jokes about that. But of course, like, Gil internalizes this. Like, oh, she can never be happy. Oh, she keeps complaining. And like, maybe she could have cut down the joke, the set list to a couple jokes. But I didn't really think it was that bad. Um, So that was basically it with them. Okay, so ending on Johnny and Bao. Bao gets in bed. Johnny joins her and says, you know... I just want to make sure if you ever feel like we're moving too fast again and like, let me know, feel comfortable telling me because I'm okay with slowing it down, like all the way down, like completely. And then he says, I want you to feel like we're best friends first and that you're completely comfortable with me, even though I know we kind of know each other, but we don't know each other intimately. But then he also says that he wants to get to know Bao sexually and then asks her in that moment <laughs> um, to share a sort of sexual proclivity that she might have. And I was like, okay, we just went from like this respectful shit to like, talk to me about your sex dreams, but okay. Um, well, uh, she has like the most analytical answer, which is, um, you know, I, I feel like one way to indicate future success is Um, through intimacy is with kissing and I just feel like based on the kisses that we've had previously that I am I feel like we have a promising future ahead of us (laughs) and it means a lot to me you know Um, because I do feel like your kisses are are going to indicate how you are as a lover and I'm looking forward to that thank you looking forward to um, circling back on this in, in Q2 Maybe we can initiate actual contact. Um, So 
then in a confessional bow says it was kind of a lot for Johnny to bring up sex the first night of the honeymoon, but she appreciates that he's so open and feels like, you know, he's really going to be help helping with cracking your shell. And you're like, well, girl, <laughs> get a little time. He'll help work and you crack that back, girl. Can't wait for it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, Johnny, we end the episode with, excuse me, we, we're not ending the episode with him. Johnny tells Bao that he's really not that kinky. Not to kink shame anybody. But he's really just into your classic vanilla P&V action. That's good enough for him. He doesn't need to be entering any holes um, where the poop comes out, as he put it. Um, he's good with just the one. No, nothing crazy. She's like, great. I agree. Thank you so much. Let's move on. The episode ends, however, with Michaela and Zach in the hotel room. Zach's saying he doesn't feel well. Remember, he said that his wedding day, he found out that his friend got COVID. He's saying he's not feeling well. He's saying that he doesn't get his test results back uh, the following day. So they're going to be sleeping in separate beds uh, out of an abundance of caution, which seems pretty silly, um, given that they had shared a bed already. He's flown from Houston to Florida. How many people in that airport, how many people on that plane he exposed himself to, and now he's not feeling well. And it looks like, based on the preview, that he may have actually gotten COVID. So, wow. Yikes. Yikes, y'all. And, yeah, that's the Animated at First Sight for this week. And let's move on to Love After Lockup. I don't know much about him, but he's plastered all over her Instagram from when they were together before she went in. So I think that's her ex-boyfriend. Who knows how long Nicole been talking to that dude. I had to straight delete everything from all of my exes. Cause she said her ex is an ex for a reason. That was her, that was her words to me. So then why are you still communicating with your ex? All right, y'all, let's get into Love After Lockup. Starting off with Brittany and Ray. Cause you guys know that I find them the most boring and I'm, 1000% team Ray on this situation. So Brittany surprises Ray. It's the big day. And by the big day, I mean, his family's about to come over. So she, <laughs> Brittany surprises Ray with a t-shirt that says my new life chapter one. And I just can't help but think like as a person, if I were a person who had just got out of prison, I just like, wouldn't want to have to explain a shirt like that. I don't know why Brittany loves a personalized event based t-shirt. It's not my vibe. I don't get it. Um, I feel like that with, um, homegirl from teen mom, Brianna, every time her kids have a birthday, everybody's wearing matching t-shirts and she's wearing the matching shirt that says mom. And it's in the theme of the birthday and it's very cute for kids. Maybe not so cute for a grown ass man who is going to have to explain why he is starting his life over at what people would think would be 45 when apparently allegedly Ray is actually 29. I just like, wouldn't have to want to explain that. That's just me personal thing. And also I just don't like Brittany. So, you know, it's probably clouding my judgment a bit. Um, so Brittany's family is not going to be coming because we know why (laughs) Ray says she's, she's doing a lot of things. She's giving a lot of excuses for why her parents aren't coming, but she tells in herself in a little bit and more on that later. 
in a confessional, Ray says that his family has known the whole time what his plans were going to be in terms of living with Brittany. So he's just feeling some type of way about the fact that she won't be honest with her own family. So we find out that not only do Brittany's parents not know that Ray is going to be living with her or is living with her, that they also don't really approve of the relationship. The mom is flat out refusing to meet Ray. So she doesn't want to tell him that for whatever reason. She tells Ray's family when they come over that the reason why she didn't invite her family was because she didn't want to overwhelm Ray. And Ray's dad tells production he knows his son. He knows that his son comes from a solid foundation. And so it would just be ashamed if he wasn't allowed to show Brittany's family his true self. And I feel like Brittany is really like, if you weren't prepared for all that came with dating a guy who just got out of prison, then like, don't waste his time. She has been under the impression for whatever reason that Ray is just some sort of good for nothing gangbanger who came from the hood and blah 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 and then she shows up to his house and finds out that he is comes from a family that is solidly upper middle class and now she's like I don't know what to do you have you put your assumptions on this dude and now you're letting your family assume these things that you were assuming knowing that they're not true why don't you just tell him and like even if he did come from like the hood okay (laughs) like it like if you thought that he wasn't going to be good enough for your family because of his socioeconomic background then like again why are you dating him why why would you even go down this path if like this wasn't really going to be a thing that worked out with your family do i think it's bullshit that his her family like makes assumptions about him yeah of course but like i don't you're making assumptions about him too and you're the one who's in the relationship with him trying to get married trying to have babies trying to have some uh like short engagement you said being engaged for a year would be too long for you okay well how are you going to navigate that with your family like which one is it and she really the most insulting thing is that she thinks that ray is stupid and he's not And that's really, like, he should break up with her, honestly. And I hope he does on the finale, which is next week, you guys. This is the second to last episode. Um, So, Ray says that, you know, where he comes from, respect from the parents is everything. And without that sort of approval, it's really hard to have a solid foundation in a relationship. So then, Brittany, Ray's aunt comes over Brittany gives her the house tour and shows her the bedroom blah 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 and the aunt Ray's aunt is like okay why are your family members not here and she starts talking about how you know she thought that she and Ray were going to be so different and but she feels so at home with his family and she just wants to take things in baby steps in terms of introducing her family to the situation. And I would just be like, literally fuck you. Like, why do you need to take baby steps with somebody from my family? Like, fuck off. See, this is why I don't like her. <laughs> like, Oh, she irks. She irks. She really feels like an entitlement with him, but also she doesn't respect him, but also like she keeps lying to him and her family. But then she seems to like be putting it on his past that she's a liar. But it's like, no, the problem is that you're a liar, girl. Not that he's a prisoner. They know that. The problem is that you're like not giving the impression that he's not also a good dude. And so your family is feeling some type of way. Like, just be mature and have a conversation with them. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> so 
After Ray's family leaves, Brittany starts gushing about how, oh, I love your parents. We really get along. And Ray's like, yeah, well, it's really sad that I can't say the same about your family since you refuse to let me meet them. Boop. Boop, boop, boop. Boop, 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 boop. Boop, 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 Um... So then he says, like, are you ashamed of me or what is it? And she's like, no, I'm not ashamed of him. You are. But they're just like a lot of bombs dropping with my parents. And, um, you know, like, honestly, had you just told them this first time, they wouldn't be considered bombs. It would just be like you telling the story of Ray and your relationship. But OK. Um, Brady at one point tells on herself and she says that... Something along the lines of, what am my family going to think knowing that there is this man with an ankle bracelet, ankle monitor on his ankle while I'm at home working two jobs and he's out at home doing nothing, sitting there doing nothing. Okay, well, that's what you think of him, you know? It, this conversation has not happened with your family, so these are just the suppositions that you're making. And again, don't be with this dude if this is a problem, like... She she really bothers me. <laughs> so Ray lays down the gauntlet and says, if you're serious about me being here and being in this relationship with you, you're going to call your family and you're going to tell them that I'm home with you right now and we can just go from there. And so Brittany's like, oh, are you threatening me? Hell yeah, I am. Sorry. <laughs> like, you're not going to act like I'm some like shameful secret. Ugh, fuck off. Um, he's like, I think I showed you that I'm serious and I expect the same from you. Go off, sis. Go off. Um, let's move on to Rachel and Doug. Rachel's making breakfast for Dougie and Doug, her man, her husband, Doug, and also stepson, Doug. And it seems like something must have happened because we left off and Rachel was like, we need to all go in family therapy or individualized therapy to try and figure this out. And he was like, Oh hell no, you can be my therapist. My therapist uh, were scared of me. And they sent me with a bottle of Ritalin and threw me back to my mom. (laughs) But, but it seems like things have really taken a turn for the better. And I'm really shocked because the way Doug was acting about how like he needs to give tough love to his son was like, truly it was like watching the beginnings of a car crash and you can't do anything about it. Um, So what he says this time is that first of all, the longest he's been out of jail since he began his stint of incarcerations has been 40 days. Um, He's now at day 37 and he says that he's motivated by his family to stay out and that he and Dougie are really communicating well and Dougie's really good about communicating what he needs from his dad. They're taking the right steps in, excuse me, they're taking steps in the right direction. And then Doug Jr. says, I just want to make sure that my son, that I earn my son's trust. Uh, hello, let's celebrate that night and day from what we saw him before. Like, I truly wanted to crawl through the TV and like, just like hug Dougie. I don't want to adopt him because I don't want children, but do I know my children? Ooh, that was the thing that came out. Okay. <laughs> well, all right then. Um, I, uh, wow, I just like had a moment. Okay. I think I don't want to come. Never mind. <laughs> so, uh, I, 
I, it's just like surprising to me. Like I just really wanted to like huddle, cuddle and hug little Dougie and like tell him that things are going to be okay. And I'm glad that I don't have to do that. I'm glad that like in his home, he seems genuinely happy. Dougie seems like a smart kid. He seems like a very intuitive, like emotionally in tune with his situation kind of kid. And like, I'm just really, really glad that like he now has a father who is showing up for him. Ugh, it like practically makes me emotional. Um, so then Doug Jr. says, oh, I'm going to go out with my friend Mike. We're going to like, oh, go find some other bitches, blah, blah, blah. Jokey, jokey. But Rachel's feeling a little bit mm, eh, about the whole situation because last time she, they went to his family's house and they had that whole like melee in the fucking front yard. Uh, Doug's sister yelled, don't like, don't trust this dude. You can't trust him to start as far as you can throw him. He's going to cheat on you. He's a bad seed run girl and she's like oh i just am feeling like nervous that he might not be able to be faithful it turns out what doug is really doing is he had his friend take him to the jewelry store to go get an engagement ring so rachel and doug have def- technically been married for four months but their wedding was in prison so no rings nothing like that um And so he like wants to get a legitimate ring. And even his friend is like, I'm just going to support him. First of all, we have to talk about the money, obviously. How how is he going to get the money for this like $5,500 ring? He's gotten a job. He's taking things off of conveyor belts and putting them onto trucks for delivery or something. But he's working. He's working. He's got a little bit of money, but he had to borrow, you know, from a couple friends to get this ring. So, like I said, the friend that took him there was like, uh, you know, like, this is cool and all, but, like, I've never known him to be faithful. Ever. So, whatever, but okay. <laughs> um, uh, so, then, later, Rachel gets home. Doug gets in the passenger seat and says, let's go toward 8 Mile. I got a surprise for you. So, they go to, I've never been to Detroit, so I don't really know what this is, but it's it's a body of water that looked very blue, and it's surrounded by land and buildings on one side. So, if you're on, like, the park side, you can see, like, all the buildings. It's, like, a cute little situation. And right before, right in front of the bench that for some reason says, um, stop what did it say (laughs) excuse me it says remembering crime victims 2004 painted on the bench doug gets down on one knee finally rachel and doug are at eye level with each other because rachel's 410 and he's 65 literally when he gets down on one knee she's like oh i can see you (laughs) and he reproposes or you know whatever you do when you're already married rachel's over the moon This was like the confirmation she needed. She's like, I'm just, I feel so good because Doug really didn't have to do this. And I'm just like really excited. And she says she trusts him. You know, they're trying to get a, 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 they're trying to get on life after lockup. I know that. I know that. And I see it. Um, so that was the end of them. Let's move on to, oh Lord. Um, let's do Stan and Lisa right? No, we're going to end on Stan and Lisa. Let's do Anissa and Jeff. So Jeff is out in the yard with a drone that he just bought. (laughs) 
So apparently Jeff just learned about online shopping and he is now completely addicted to it. He says that, you know, you can order something and it'll just come up on your door the next day. Like, that's great. So (laughs) he claims that the reason why he got this drone is because he's on house arrest and it'll give him the opportunity to explore different worlds and see outside of himself. I could think of like a much cheaper way to do that, Anissa, if you just want to like get Jeff a library card and you can get him books from all sorts of different countries and places because buying a $1,500 drone to look around at the small town in Louisiana that he lives in seems like an investment not worth making personally, but okay. Um, So... Also, I feel like that drone is probably more than like it costs for her rent. And she she did say that was two days of uh, two full days of work for me, Jeff. So I hope you're enjoying it. And oh, Lord, this is just like a, a real bad thing. So Jeff has only been out of jail. Excuse me for like a few weeks. And she says that he has spent thousands of dollars on the drone, online poker. He's just like letting it flow through just running right through her checks and now she's thousands of dollars in credit card debt because of jeff um he hasn't even gotten his motorcycle or his gucci pants yet or job okay um so kyle comes over because apparently kyle has nothing else to do than to walk over to anissa's trailer and bother and harass jeff and you know immediately he comes to jeff and asks oh how much was that drone and Jeff's like not wanting to answer. And so Kyle's like, well, Anissa came to me and she said that she was low on money. So like, you know, I'm not trying to be nosy or anything, but how much did you spend on that? And I was like, well, you are trying to be nosy. <laughs> I just like, don't like people who try to act like they're not something that they are. Like if you're going to be nosy and you're insistent on being that, then be that, you know? Famous line from West Side Story, when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. If you're going to do it, do it. And if you're not going to do it, then stay out of their business. <laughs> I don't get it. Um, so in a confessional, Jeff says that Kyle has, like I said, no business to be asking him anything about what he does in his relationship. And now he's going to put a stop to it. So Kyle does fairly say that the only reason why he's asking about the money is because uh you know, when he was talking to Anissa in the beginning of the situation of their, you know, quote unquote relationship, Jeff said that he was only in it to, for what he could get out of it, financially, gifts, what have you. And so that has been embedded in Kyle's brain the whole time. Fair, fair. It's just the way he's going about it is just whack to me. Um, So then he says, you know, I've also seen her in the bad times, the times where you said you were going to come out when she was released and then you never did. You never showed up. She's sitting there in her room by herself and she's in, in, you know, in the state of depression because of you not showing up for her. So I'm just very protective of Anissa. And so Jeff says, listen, I just don't want you to have anything to do with my relationship, I just back off, right? Um, Don't meddle. And he takes his drone and goes. So Kyle immediately is like, okay, well, 
you had that secret that you just told me the other day and you told me to keep it. So I guess I'm going to expose that to Anissa now. So he, like the tattletale he is, goes right into Anissa's trailer and says, hey, um, Jeff told me something the other day and I feel like it's not really that big a deal. And I feel like you wouldn't think it's that big a deal, but now he's just hiding it from you. And I think that there might be more to it. And so Anissa's like, okay, what is it? <laughs> and Jeff's like, well, I don't really want to tell you except for I like ran here like the fucking Kool-Aid man, practically Kool-Aid man and myself into your wall to tell you this. But, um, Anissa, or excuse me, Jeff thinks that he might have an 18 year old kid. Obviously, uh, yeah, and Anissa's like, yeah, I don't really know why he wouldn't tell me that. And uh, Kyle says, well, obviously, if the kid is 18, that predates your relationship. So I feel like the fact that he's not telling you, maybe the kid is actually younger than he's claiming. Maybe there's some sort of overlap on that. So I just really don't know, like, why he wouldn't tell you that. So now Anissa is in the shitty position of like, do I confront Jeff about this? Do I wait for him to tell me? I don't really know, but this was a lot of information. And on top of this information, you're now sowing these seeds of like, possibly there being something sinister behind it. So I just need the time to process before I say anything. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Um, so that was the end of them. Let's move on to fake couple number one, Deontay and Nicole. So remember when last week I said that Deontay was acting like he was in a, an R&B video? This, now we're at like the bridge portion of the song where he's staring with a, <clears throat> he's got a gray tank top on, looking at himself in the mirror, putting his hands on his head like, oh, how did we get here? nobody's supposed to be here and he's just like emotional completely emotional he says that he was already a broken person but nicole broke him even for even further and that's probably the first time deontay and i have agreed on anything so he's heading into the gym um and while he's in the car he tells production that he didn't really catch nicole technically doing anything but he also didn't know that zach was in her life at all and on top of that he's like i kind of knew who he was because i saw pictures of them on facebook but i just didn't really know the whole story but also nicole was telling me um you know that i an ex is an ex for a reason so i don't know why she's sticking around with this dude if 
she's telling me that like people should be stay in the past should be in the past should stay in the past fair um so <clears throat> what happens after that uh uh so he says he doesn't <laughs> he said that he doesn't deserve to be treated like a second rate scrub all the time who's only good for his money and he's right about that second half like he shouldn't be treated like he's only good for his money but he probably should be treated like a second rate scrub because he is anyway um <clears throat> So Dante goes to the gym. He meets Derek, the friend that we've seen him with, who's been like, fuck this bitch. She's weird. She's using you. I don't know why you're doing this. You know, the voice of reason friend. Um, he's um, a bit of a misogynist, but I'm going to give him a slight pass because Nicole is an objectively bad person who clearly is using Deontay, even though she claims not to be. Um, so... Deontay gets to the gym and he tells him the whole story about what happened with Zach and Nicole and how he found them and was like staking out the house. And then five minutes later, Zach pulled up and he freaked out and flipped out on them. And then she left with Zach and Deontay's like, all right, Derek, like, I know what you're going to say. And he's like, damn right. You know what I'm going to say? Fuck that bitch. In a confessional, Derek says, I know she's a hoe. You know she's a hoe. She knows she's a hoe. Everybody knows she's a hoe. So it's time to kick her ass to the curb. But he probably won't. (laughs) So Nicole, while he's at the gym, calls Deontay and says, oh, you know, I want to get together with you. And he's like, okay, can we do it tonight? She says, no, I'm busy tonight. I'll see you tomorrow. So they agree to see each other the next day. Of course, she's getting ready for a night out. She's not going to be telling Deontay about. She's going to keep it to herself and national television um so she is going to meet up with her friend girlfriend ex-girlfriend rather tia her the girl that she was dating in prison um so they go on this date first of all they're dining outside but nicole has to get through a gate to get to tia but she can't figure out how to unlock that gate (laughs) and so tia has to turn around and realize that nicole's like stuck in the gate behind her not realizing how to get out so she has to go get her out of this baby gate oh lord help us so they have their little date apparently tia is from north carolina where are they from where where is deontay from is he from the south i can't remember where he's from anyway not north carolina so tia came down I'm sure with the help of production to visit Nicole. So there, you know, Tia is giving, um, you know, like Butch, she's giving polo shirts with like the big polo logo logo on it. She's giving face tattoos, several face tattoos along the lining of her hair, tattoos that were like so poorly done that I couldn't really tell what they were supposed to be, but some kind of design. I almost thought one of them almost looked like a Statue of Liberty on the side of her face, but I think it may have been something else. I don't know if I was crazy or the tattoos were bad. Probably both. Anyway, um, she's very thin, but also quite butch androgynous. So there's a lot of chemistry between them, kind of. (laughs) Um, Nicole seems, excuse me, not Nicole, Tia seems, um, shot out 
uh, a phrase that Liz Bentley of Feathers in My Hair so graciously um, turned me on to, which is basically somebody who's been on drugs, but they're clean, but there's still like some residual things happening. So, you know, they still look high, even like months and years after the fact, they kind of talk with that like, ooh, like kind of hippie talk, it's strung out. Um, so they're, like I said, having chemistry, blah, 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 chatting. Um, but Nicole tells us in a confessional that, she, you know, she fucked Zach and that it wasn't really what she expected, especially for not having sex with a man in four years. It wasn't really giving. So she was kind of thinking that maybe she would go back to Deontay, but you know, Tia's in town, and so she has to try that out before she can really officially commit to Deontay. So they go to back to Tia's hotel, and before that, they are talking about the good old days and their breakup. So apparently, they had their big prison breakup, and uh, she says that... Basically, she and Tia are two peas in a pod if that pod was in the bad girls clubhouse. So they broke up in prison. Tia spit in Nicole's face and then tried to run away. But Nicole grabbed her by her collar, some part of her shirt, and then spit in her face. And then they got into it. Um, So Tia does apologize for that. (laughs) And then she says, you know, since... I have gotten out of jail. I haven't hooked up with anybody. I'm just trying to get my shit together. I'm trying to stay clean. And then they immediately cheers with two big glasses of like what looks like a double shot of whiskey. So that's going well. Um, And then they go back to the hotel and they're, you know, body moving, rolling, canoodling, rubbing each other's parts. We're going from this bed. We're going to that bed. We're carrying Nicole. Legs around the waist. The whole shebang. And Nicole is telling us, like, she's so excited to do this with Tia because she and Tia have not been able to, like, get it in like normal people. They've only had prison sex. And at her jail, I don't know why I'm so... Oh, gassy today. (laughs) Excuse me. That, um... At her jail, the guards would come every 30 minutes. And so, you know, you're not supposed to be having sex in jail in the first place. And so they would have to, like, put up towels on the on the uh, little windows and the doors so they could have privacy. And that somebody would stay in the, like, day room, the common area, and yell 12 when the cops were coming to do their rounds. So she's like, you know, it would just be so annoying because first of all you can't really like be in the moment because one of you has to be listening to 12 somebody yelling 12 or the guards coming um and then she's like so many times i would be like just about to finish and then somebody would yell up 12 and then we'd have to stop now frustrating it so glad so thank you nicole that you're able to have unadulterated um and adulteration adultery unadulterated adultery (laughs) With your ex, even and the, even though you slept with your ex the day before, and you're not sleeping with the guy that you're actually claiming to be in a relationship and in love with. Okay. Um, let's end on Stan and Lisa. Oh, Lord. So the first moments that we see of Stan and Lisa are Stan is in the kitchen, 
with a whole spread of breakfast makings, eggs, bacon, what have you. And then Stan says, I can make fruit and I can make toast, but I don't know how to make eggs. This man, this, I hate this. I hate a man who can't do for himself. You are 65 years old. You've managed to make it through how many presidential administrations and you don't know how to make eggs? Eggs? Gross. Um, so, uh, I just, I, I hate him. So, I, you know, had remained blissfully in the ignorance of the fact that last time we saw Stan and Lisa, they went to the basement or the dungeon as Lisa refers to it. And, like, I'm going to treasure those moments and hold them dear because, unfortunately, we were reminded that they did, in fact, go down there. And Lisa apparently worked up quite an appetite from all the strenuous activity um, that she did on Stan's booty hole. Now, I'm not going to kink shame anybody. Like, whatever you want to do with your prostate is up to you. Smash that shit to smithereens if that's what gets you off, girl. Like, I don't care. I just personally didn't need to hear... Lisa, say the words, I'm about that milking the prostate life. That's just not something that I expected to hear on my journey through my own personal life. And I hope to never hear it again. Especially with regard to Stan. Yuck. Yuck. (laughs) Again, if you want to milk your prostate, go ahead. It's Stan. This is Stan specific. I, ugh, no. So, oh God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna save you. We're gonna get out of this together. Um, so after, you know, Stan says he loves it. He, he loves, uh, you know, Lisa's, uh, abilities, whatever. Um, so then Lisa starts talking about the car. Oh, I guess we need to go to the car lot today so you can get me a new car. Stan starts getting a little cagey, of course, because like we see on these shows, you know, the love after lockups, your 90 day fiances is that these men make a lot of promises and they say a lot of things. I'm going to get you this, that, and the third. And then they get out of jail. Their partners get out of jail. And then they're like, oh, well, I just thought you loved me for me. And are you only here because of what I can do for you? Yes, sir. Duh. <laughs> Duh. Um, so... He he starts talking about how in his last relationship where he gave somebody a car, she left. And so Lisa says, well, how long did she, how long was she around before she left? And he's like, well, she left pretty much immediately. So took, took the car, <laughs> said she was going to go out to get some cigarettes and never came back. Um, so, you know, he's just like nervous and he wants a commitment, but he doesn't really want to talk about it. And she's like, do you want to get married? And I got to get divorced from the other two people that I'm married to. Hello. We, we forgot about that. The fact that she's legally married to not one, but two people right now. Um, so, and also she doesn't have a driver's license. Okay. Um, so it turns out Stan promise like three to five thousand dollars for a car they get to the car lot the first thing he says is do you want a van not not a minivan even like a church youth group is going to the aquarium kind of van you know just like the long benches in the back kind of van no she doesn't want to ride around in a van you creeper um so she finds herself a corvette 
uh, as if. Lisa's back to trying to be the boss again and saying how now Stan has to make good on the promises that he kept for her. And when they meet the sales employee, the guy asks, oh, is this your father buying your car? I mean, it's a fair question. So then um, Lisa tells the guy that uh, Stan had just paid off about $3,200 worth of parking tickets. And then she gives us a little bit of her backstory and her criminal history. So apparently when Lisa was 26, she went to a car lot, took a test drive and then drove that car back to Illinois. And she got five years. She said, that's my first five years that I did in prison. Oh, Five years. (laughs) Can you imagine? I mean, what she did was objectively illegal. I'm sure it was Grand Theft Auto, but five years? Ooh, that's tough. That is tough. So, back to the car lot. Um, Stan says he's going to put down about $5,000 for the down payment and that he wants the car to be strictly in Lisa's name. She, he wants her to make the monthly payments and he says, you know, it'll be a good way for her to build up her credit and, you know, to have something that's all her own. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that you don't want to get burned again with another payment on a car with the lady that leaves you. I'm sure it has everything to do with you who have kicked Lisa out twice now, called her a bad mother and told her to get the fuck out that, yeah, I'm sure all of a sudden now you want to make her feel good about herself. I'm, I'm sure. Sure, Stan. Um, so then Stan's like, oh, are, are we going to get married if I pay for this? And Lisa's like, <laughs> uh, um, in a confessional, Lisa says she's not been completely honest with Stan. And so as Stan's making all these jokes about them getting married and she's like, yeah, yeah, cool. She's looking at her phone and the camera zooms in on the phone and it says from a person, when are we meeting up? And then she replies soon, exclamation point getting a new ride and the person says lmao work it with three of those like money bag emojis and then can't wait oh and that's the end of our episode so i guess we'll see what happens in the finale thank you guys so much for listening thank me for speaking if you're able to give me a five-star review on apple podcasts i would love that thank you so much love you have a great week